There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. What? Win. Win. What are we waiting for? Take this! Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 97. My guest today is Wes Roper. Wes was the uh, head wrestling coach for Missouri's uh, wrestling team. He coached Mizzou from 1986 to 1998. He was uh, number four, at least. He was number four. I'm not sure what he is right now, but he's still really high up on Mizzou's win list um, behind Ben Askren, Alan Waters, Drake Howdeshelt. All Missouri legends. He has 131 career wins, two-time Missouri's uh, most outstanding wrestler. He coached Sammy Henson. While he was at Mizzou, who uh, went on to be a world champion and Olympic silver medalist. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking to him. I met him a few months back. I was working in Jefferson City, Missouri, and uh, he actually showed up and was in the crowd. And I didn't I had never met him, but I knew who he was, and the owner told me that he was in the crowd, so you guys know me and wrestlers, I'm a total dork nerd about it, so <clears throat> all of a sudden I'm nervous in Jefferson City, Missouri, because I know Wes Roper's in the crowd. <laughs> so anyway, uh, without further ado, I'm going to give him a call, and uh, we're going to talk some wrestling, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, Hey, Mr. Roper, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad to get you on here. Hey, no problem. Yeah, are you, uh, how's this, how's this whole thing treating you? Are you able to work, or you have to stay at home right now, or? You know what, I've been able to come into the office. I guess we're basically an essential service. I'm a financial advisor. You know, we got a smaller office, so it works out fine, and, and, uh, you know, and so basically, it hadn't been very good for seeing all the red on the screen, but uh, other yeah. than that, uh, not too bad. I also read that your your uh, when I was looking some stuff up about you, I read that your your wife is a nurse. Is she uh, how's how's she doing with this? Is she working? You know, she's been actually. Uh, you know, she hasn't been as busy because uh, with their, they. The elective, she does like pre-op and post-op and they, at the Women's Children's Hospital, University of Missouri, and they, they have a lot of elective surgery, so they moved them all back. So luckily, I mean, fortunately, it had to be on the front line, but, you know, whether if the outbreak got a lot worse, thing, uh, you know, I'm not sure if she, she could be, but, uh, but luckily right now she's uh, doing well. Good. Yeah, I read that uh, in, in some states they're they're asking people who have have retired to even come out of retirement. So I was just curious about how, how bad it was there and if she had been affected by it. But um, yeah, God willing, this will be over before too long. But I don't know, man. Some of, and, and I don't want to dwell on it too long because Lord knows that's what anybody's talking about. Everyone's talking about these days. But I was just talking to a friend of mine, a comedian who... Uh, his, they, they just, he just had some weeks canceled in June already, so it's not good. And and who knows when the heck it's going to end? But and, and yeah, one thing I yeah, Tim, 
positive thing today is the markets are up basically because, uh, you know, the daily new cases, uh, you know, nationwide dropped by about 9,000 yesterday. And I just could, you know, is it going to be a trend that, hey, we got it under control? Who knows? But off of that positive news, the market's up quite a bit today. So kind of interesting. Hopefully we can get it contained because I think uh, quicker we get back to more club life is normal be a lot better you know i think that's what everybody's hoping for yeah i know that every time i open my ira it sends me into into a minor depression so i've i lately i haven't even been opening <laughs> i haven't even been opening it no, you know no doubt i've always told clients they don't look at your statement we we send out monthly ones i said hey don't even look at them except maybe every uh three months at the most you know i said that I said that way you don't, you know, you don't have so many uh, ups and downs. But yeah, it's been kind of a difficult uh, time for everybody, no doubt. Yeah, there for a few months I was uh, excited to open it, and now I'm like, I don't want to open that thing. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Uh, speaking of uh, uh, minor depressions, was uh, how hard was it for you? I, I I did a little intro telling everybody that you were the head coach of Mizzou for 12 years, and so I imagine this time of year, not being able to see the NCAA tournament, um, did it send you into a minor depression? <laughs> it really did. You know, I'm a huge uh, college uh, football fan and college wrestling, and uh, you know, I was yeah, definitely looking forward to this tournament so much, and so you know, and. And I just think wrestling's a little different than a lot of sports. I know it's devastating for all the senior athletes, uh, you know, to get their, uh, you know, their opportunity counseled out. But, uh, you know, wrestling's so much, I mean, Tim, as you know, it's just such a demanding sport, the weight cutting, and just everything that goes into it, being in top shape and trying to peak at a certain time of the year. So just really feel bad for those senior athletes that didn't get their their opportunity to, to shine. Yeah, I heard somewhere, I think it was on Flow, that, that they're not going to grant anyone an extra year. Um, and I don't know if that's true or if that's a done deal or not. But I just thought to myself, like, it's so... There is so there's so many levels to that, you know, like, well, what do you do to the, the freshmen that had redshirted or the people that had redshirted and, and what, do you, you know, like a lot of these guys, I imagine, want to get on with our lives, you know, so, I mean, do you, do they, would you redo a whole year or just try to redo the tournament, which, again, like you said about peaking, you know, it's one thing to do the tournament again, but those guys were in prime, you know, they were all trying to peak at that time, so... I don't even know how that would be, you know, if they tried to have a, a tournament like this summer or something. Yeah, I think I think probably the thing that made it so hard is for the winter. I saw we're like spring sports with them getting canceled. They're going to give them another year, so now you got universities that'll have additional costs because you know if you honor, let's just say they did allow. Allow another year in wrestling. Well, they've already basically used that money to bring in other kids. So you mm -hmm. got to have more scholarships. So it creates quite a quite a dilemma. And, and Tim, you know, this crazy thing is, is I sure hope that uh, you know we get this uh, virus under control because uh, you know college football is so crazy. 
why they call for all this, you know, and, uh, yeah. and just think, thinking of, uh, you know, the money involved in uh, Division One athletics is just amazing, and, and uh, you know, I don't even want to think about that, because I think it would, you know, if that scenario ever played out, it would be very, very bad for for college athletics in general. Yeah, like, I, you know, there's a lot of people that are saying this is all, like, this big hoax and all this stuff, and I'm like, well, first of all, I don't believe that, but if it was, it was one hell of an elaborate thing, and, and, and they're sure losing a lot of money, um, you know, so I just don't see why anyone would think that they would cancel all these major sporting events if, if it wasn't something that needed to be done, you know? Right, I mean, hopefully... Uh... You know, hopefully they can make good decisions. I just, I think you gotta, you know, you gotta weigh the economy versus, uh, virus, which is, you know, obviously anybody dying is terrible. And so, you know, it's a hard, hard decision that you gotta try to make, you know, uh, weighing the two and decide what to do. I would say if the pandemic is, is bad, I mean, if it's really bad, hey, you can't you can't really get your economy going because everybody's going to be scared and you know that frequent businesses are to go into a stadium that has seventy thousand people. So you know, it, you know, but I think you know, hey, I'm an optimist. I think things are going to come out good, and hopefully sooner rather than later, and uh, get back on track. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you: Do you do you still work out a lot? I mean, because I saw I, I met uh, I met you a few months back in Jefferson, Missouri, and you know I know your what, what was your senior year of college? Eighty two. You know, eighty two was yeah. I ended up I was a slim trim, hundred and fifty pounds, and uh, and that year was just a, you know an exceptional weight. I mean, I'm not gonna. Try to try to brag about my weight class, like you know, the older you get, the better you was. But you know, I had uh, Nate Carr was the NCAA champion. Kenny Mundy was second, and then Roger Frizzell third. And I was fourth, and we were all from the Big A, you know. So the Big A back in those days was just, uh, you know, it was kind of like the Big Ten of today. Yeah. Did you, uh, so you obviously wrestled all those guys. You wrestled Nate Carr as well? Right, right, yeah. That, those were the guys. I can remember my junior year, Tim, going up to 158 because I, I didn't really have the speed like uh, Mundy and Carr had. So I thought, oh, I'll match up better with, like, Ricky Stewart and Dave Schultz. You know? <laughs> so, so I went up to 158. I actually had a good year that year because I wouldn't cut this much weight, but, uh, but it was hard, you know, those guys were phenomenal too, so it, it 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what an awesome era to be wrestling in. I, I met Nick Carr at the NCAAs a few years ago, and and he sat there and talked to me and my brother for, I bet we talked for over an hour. And I'd never met this guy in my life, wow. and he's a he's a you know a legend in U.S. wrestling, and he sat there and talked to me like we'd known each other for 10 years. And it was just... Oh, that's neat. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And, and his son uh, even texted me not too long ago asking me, because he was there too, and he wasn't even in college yet, but... I was telling him he. I told him I was a comedian, and he he said he wanted to do he wanted to be a comedian, David Carr. So I told him about this book. I told him about this book, and a few years later, uh, he texted me and he's like, "Hey, what was that book you told me about?" And I was like, "You know, this was like right after he had won Junior Worlds or something." So I was like, "Well, that's pretty cool." <laughs> yeah, know? that that is the yeah is yeah. He's a super nice kid. I I hope he. Uh, you know, I, I heard for him, I heard for all those guys this year. There were so many great stories, and you know, Spencer Lee won't get to win his fourth. And I'm not sure. I, I forget how many guys did Mizzou have going to the tournament this year. You know, I think they had eight going from the MAC tournament. Yeah, eight eight qualifiers. Okay. So yeah, that stinks for them. That's a lot of qualifiers. You know. It is. It is, and. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you just, uh, you know, it's kind of devastating for those guys. But, uh, hey, you know, they, most of them, like you said, a lot of them, hey, they, they won't come back because they basically got their degrees. They're ready to get on with life, you yeah. know. But, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it is what it is. But, yeah, kind of a, kind of a tough, tough thing for them. And just like you mentioned, Spencer Lee, a guy that, you know, potentially could have been a four-time champ, and now you, you'll never know that, you yeah. know, so. Yeah, and even there was a kid in his bracket that was undefeated, uh, Pat Glory, and I'm sure he was thinking, well, like, I would have liked a shot at, I would like to, you know, <laughs> prove that I'm the best right. guy, too, and no one's even, no one's even mentioning him, you know, um. So as a, as a, you know, I never wrestled on, on that level, but I know the mentality. So I know that he's like, you know, well, what about me? You know? <laughs> so, right, right. And, and there's a lot of stories like that. 197 had a undefeated, I think he was a redshirt freshman, um, Noah Adams from West Virginia. Um, I'm not sure if he was a freshman, but I know he was undefeated. Um, you know, and, and I don't know. It just sucks for a lot of people. But uh, real quick, I did want to, I did want you to, uh, I did want to ask you that question about working out. Do you still work out a lot? Because you're just a freaking tank, man. I mean, when I saw you, I, I well, saw the... I just, yeah, I was going to tell you, you know, I wrestled like 150 and now, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I do, you know, actually what I've done, and I would suggest this for guys over 50, uh, you know, I'd always been more into doing cardio and I'd do the Stairmaster and things like that. But, you know, when I started doing after 50, I started just doing free weights more, you know, and uh, feel a lot better because I got a knee that has tendonitis and that sort of thing. So I, I would uh, strongly recommend not to do heavy weights, but just uh, basically doing free weights. So that, that's been kind of what I do and probably the reason I'm still kind of bulky and, uh, you know, not good at you know, not good at dieting like I need to, but, uh, yeah, I, I take pride in, you know, I just, especially when you got a sedentary job, is I always try to, you know, work out, you know, four or five times a week, so, yeah, so that's, uh, but that's a good thing, and kind of keeps your mind cleared a little bit. How about yourself, Kim? Do you get after work 
working out a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm actually, I'll be 45 at the end of May, and I'm probably in better shape than I was in my 20s because I, I ate like a dump wow. truck. I ate like a dump truck, and I, I, I didn't exercise very much, and, and about nine years ago, I, you know, I'm a comedian, I've been doing it for a long time, and, and alcohol's always free, and I was starting to drink a lot, and wait, starting to drink way too much, and, and I realized, like, well, I'm gonna, around 35, I, I was like, I'm gonna wake up, be in my mid-40s, have a full-blown drinking problem, my career will have gone nowhere, so I stopped drinking, and started exercising, and, uh, you know, I, I now if I don't do it at least four or five, sometimes six days a week, some kind of workout, um, I definitely feel I definitely feel it. And I do uh, I, I completely agree with with the weight training thing, because I used to run a lot and all that stuff. And and now, like everything's starting to hurt my ankles and my knees and, and all that stuff. And, right. and so now I've just been lifting a little bit. And I also read that the, the older you get, the more. It, the more important it is to not only stretch but to 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 strength train more than anything so you know and seeing guys like yourself i'm like well you can still stay in shape into your 50s you know there's no it's just a matter of whether you stop doing it you know like i i talk to people all the time that are like oh, i'm getting old and i'm like well when's the last time you tried to touch your toes <laughs> you know like like it's not just that you're getting old it's just that you're not doing anything anymore you know yeah you know and i here I am, I work as a financial advisor, so I see a lot of times people that are, you know, retiring, you know, in mid-60s, and their health's terrible, you know, and I'm like, you know, just basically, I mean, it's just something, you know, basically your best investment is hey, trying to take care of yourself and maintaining good health, you know, because, I mean, it's easy to lose that. I mean, we just kind of take it for granted, but then if you... It's like you're saying, hey, if you do the wrong thing for too long and don't don't do anything about it, it's hard to you know it's hard to enjoy life if you've got health problems. Yeah, I, I you know that 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 old saying, uh, "Youth is wasted on the young," has really started to make a lot more sense to me lately. Because I'm like, wow, you get a little older, you start figuring some stuff out, and then your body falls apart on you. <laughs> coach for 12 years what would you say the biggest thing is uh that's changed in division one wrestling since since you retired do you still coach uh you know i have and actually uh, the crazy thing was i was the head coach there 12 years i got hired like at 27 i think jim gibbons and i were the youngest d1 coaches at the time i think he got hired at 27 too and we're about the same, close to the same age and uh you know and you know, and I coached there for like 12 years. Then after that, when I got out of coaching and became a financial advisor, I actually ran a kids club for like 10 years, you know, and my little son came up through it and everything. So, so I stayed involved and I still love, you know, I keep up with the college game. I think the biggest changes, Tim, is just the, 
technique across the board's gotten better and better. I think you got better coaches, better training methods, uh, you know, with the, uh, you know, the internet the way it is now. That's obviously enhanced the sport a great deal. And, you know, the other day, you know, it's kind of a crazy story, but, uh, you know, I ended up switching to YouTube TV and, uh, you know, I had like direct TV, so I finally, you know, cut that out. And now that I got YouTube TV, I got the old Flow Wrestling app. And on my phone, I would never watch like the Kerry Colot story and some of that. But now I've been on there and watching Kerry Colot and Magic Man and those. And I'm thinking, my God, these are so good. And just what, you know, what these kids can see nowadays and learn about the sport and everything is amazing. So, yeah. so, yeah, I just say, hey, that's been the main thing. The thing that's kind of dissatisfying, though, is seeing only like 75 D1 programs. Because when I was competing in the early 80s and now, we had, I think, close to 200 D1 programs. So, so that, that, that's kind of the bad point. But the good point is a lot of the real strong programs now are funded at very high levels, which is you know, great, and a lot of a lot of programs expect results, and and that's good to see. And so the level of wrestling just keeps climbing, climbing, climbing. So I love that part of it. Yeah, yeah, I find myself, um, you know, I, I'll be watching, I'll be on flow, and I'll I'll find myself watching technique videos, and I have no idea why. I, I don't, I, you know, <laughs> other than other than hopefully showing my boy someday, who's only, which is another reason I need to stay healthy as he's only 17 months old so i've got a a long road ahead of me as far as that but i'll watch these technique videos and i'm like what the hell are you doing like you're not <laughs> you're never gonna wrestle again but i but i did i do watch it and i'm like gosh i sure wish i would have known that or I'll, I'll see guys doing something and i'm like i used to do that i just didn't know what i just didn't know there was a name for it or, or that there was so much more that i could have like that seat belt position i found myself there all the time and and i i did some things from it but I see things all the time, and I'm like, man, I sure wish I would have known that. And I, I even read something about you. Uh, you had some counter for a tight waist or something, and and that that you that you pinned a guy in the consolation semifinals with. And I was like, well, shit, I wish I would have known a counter for a tight waist. I, I didn't even know there was one. I thought you. Just... Well, you know what it was. Really, all that was him, and I don't even remember who really taught that to me, but. Okay, if you got a guy that's just tight waist chopping you all the time, mm-hmm. and what I did is I, I used to use this, it worked great. I'd just kind of lunge forward on the whistle, and then when the guy went to chop you, you did a leg elevator. So it was just, you know, you basically just kind of like, kind of like a dog lifting his leg, and he just did a leg elevator, and then, you know, I ended up catching the guy off guard for five points, you know, reversal, three near falls. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, and you still see guys that will use that leg elevator, but, and that's kind of the neat thing about, you know, about watching technique, you see things kind of recycling. Yeah. And that, but yeah, yeah, so that was, that was, uh, yeah, that was one that kind of helped me because I had, uh, had a guy up because, uh, I remember him, Smith, he was really a very good wrestler from Wisconsin. He was the Big Ten champ, and I remember having a, a war with him 
them, and that's a move that that got me through there, through that match, yeah. And, and that was the year you went on and took fourth? Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, right there, like I said, just basically the top four in the nation were the top four in the Big A, too, and back in those days, like I said, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s in there, man, there was just uh, some incredible uh, wrestlers, not only national champs, but world and Olympic champs. That was great for the sport. I had uh, Ed Giese on recently, and he was telling me a little bit about Dave Schultz, and uh, did you say you wrestled him? Yeah, I wrestled Dave a couple of times when he was at Oklahoma. It was my junior year. I moved up to you know, 158, and Dave, uh, Dave was pretty amazing, and, and I think, Tim, I don't know if I ever shared this story about Dave Schultz, but it's a great story, you know, it was during my junior year, the year I wrestled 158, they had nationals out of Princeton University that year. Well, I think Dave would beat Ricky Stewart in the, during the season, I think he'd beat him four or five times. Yeah. You know, every time, you know, well, it gets out there and Ricky Stewart was extremely strong. Ricky Stewart hits a fireman's carry and he takes Dave to his back and pins him. Wow. You know, a huge upset, you know, and, uh, anyway, uh, we were staying, Missouri was staying on the same floor as Oklahoma, so I'm back at the, I'm back at the hotel and uh, I see Dave in his room and he's, you know, sitting there. So I stopped in and chatted with him and he goes, God, he goes, college wrestling sucks, <laughs> you know, and he, and he goes, but he goes, there's no way I'm, you know, not going to come back now, you know, because he never had one in NCAA title. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, he hated like writing time and all that stuff. Well, the next year, guess what? He wrestles like Mike Sheets in the NCAA championship match and he had to write Mike Sheets out in overtime to beat him. And he wanted, but I mean, that just tells you the type of mentality Dave Schultz had, you know, just a, you know, a great, uh, great ambassador for our sport too. You know, he'd help you anytime, anywhere. You know, as far as hey, you were asking about technique or whatever. Yeah, just incredible. Yeah, it's funny how you can be in competition with somebody and still be friends with them and have have good conversations and stuff. Some of my best friends throughout my life were guys that I had that I had wrestled at some point and. And sometimes it would be guys that we had beaten each other and that kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, it's just a bond that a lot of people don't understand and can't understand, um, you know, the respect level that, that you have for somebody that, that you have tough matches with. Um, how did your matches go with him? Oh, you talking about with Dave? Yeah, I think the first time that I had him, it was like... Uh... You know, I'm thinking it was like 10 to 2. I never did take him down. I think the second match was like 5 to 1, but uh, he was clearly, uh, you know, one thing I said about Dave is every time you got into a position with him, it felt like you were on the defense. <laughs> you might initiate a move, but then it, then it was like, holy cow, you know, now I'm on the defense again. So, 
Yeah. He had an answer for every position. You know, he was just pretty amazing in that regard. And, and uh, yeah, I read you the, know, the only, Sorry. I was just going to say that I, I read that uh, Mark Schultz got so good at defense because uh, he said Dave would just kick his ass every day so bad, and he was like, you know what? I'm not going to let him kick my ass anymore. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to turtle up and go defense and not let him do anything. And that's when he, he got, because if you can do that against Dave Schultz, you can do that against anybody. And he said that's where his defense got so good. And uh, right. did you did you know Mark Schultz very well? You know, I didn't really know him. I just always uh, was amazed at his athleticism. You know, I can remember that uh, match with him and Ed Banik, and you know, you sit there and watch him like do the backflip right after he wins it. You know, he mm-hmm. just yeah, he was uh, you know, just a tremendous athlete, and and I don't think he started wrestling until his junior year of high school. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was telling Ed Geesey, I was like, I was like, Mark Schultz wrestled for 10 years. He started as a junior in high school, and in that 10 years, he won a California state championship, three NCAA titles, three world and Olympic titles, and made two Olympic teams in 10 years. That has to be the best 10 year career. That has to be the best 10 year career that there's ever been. You know? I mean, I I don't see how you could top that. I've got some friends that that uh, didn't really wrestle in, in high school or anything, and and they'll, their kids will get into it, and they'll they'll call me up and they'll be like, "Hey, man, you know, I, my kid's in wrestling, but he he, he sucks and, and all this stuff." And and I'll be like, and I'm like, "Well, how old is he?" And they're like, "Well," and they're like, "He's he's ten or he's nine or something." And I'm like, "Well, just like you said, I'm like, wait till they hit puberty. Everything changes then, you know." Um, and we won the wrestling Yeah, I knew some really talented kids that didn't even wrestle in high school because they got so burned out. You know, they win two or three kid state right. championships, and their parents had them thinking it was just the end of the world if they lost. And I was kind of one of those kids. You know, I would if I if I lost, if I got beat, I was like kind of low key depressed the whole week until I got a chance to to try to win the tournament again. You know, because my dad put so much you know emphasis on the winning, and you know, looking back, I mean, it's not like he was trying to 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 do that, you know, he just, he just kind of did, you know, um, right, right, it, 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 I mean, it, you know, yeah, I mean, and most of the parents think they're, you know, uh, I mean, they don't even 
wife. Maybe they're doing it, you know, but, uh, you know, they are. So, you know, they, yeah, we got to make sure that, hey, really, for the real young kids, hey, it's about, hey, you know, it's about skill development and, uh, you know, letting them have a good experience with it. And hopefully, hey, when you reach puberty, uh, you're still hanging in there, finding out whether you can, you know, if the sport's meant for you. Yeah, I read that your son was a three-time state champ in high school and wrestled a couple of years at Mizzou. Did uh, how how were you when it came to his career? As far as like how long? How when did he start wrestling? And and did you just kind of take it easy and not really? How'd you how'd you navigate you know that? What? You know, I ended up probably uh, being the typical little bit of a wrestling dad. I, you know, you don't think you are, but I. I ran the kids program up there at Kirksville, and then after Austin got through eighth grade, I quit doing it. I just wanted to follow them, and fortunately, you know, they they won two state team titles, and then Austin was like second and then third. I mean, then he won three times, and but his technique was really good. That's the thing, and he had he got enjoyment out of the sport, and still loves the sport and follows it. So that's a you know, a great thing, and uh, and it was also neat because all the other guys that he had that was in that youth, when I was working with the youth there for like 10 years, you know, it was all his teammates there that, you know, helped win a couple of state titles, and when you got small town USA, it was in Kirksville, neat thing is, you know, the whole town just got behind the, the team and had a big parade for him and everything, so that's kind of a little bit different in small town rather than the city, you know, and, and that, but he, had, but he had a good experience with it, and, you know, his, he was very uh, technical, I always took a lot of pride in him, and he was extremely good technically, and he placed it far ago, I think, like about four times, you know, so he, he did it good on the national level, too. Yeah, is that, uh, watching your kid have success, is that even better than your own success? You know, I think it is. You know, I remember, I said, my God, watching your kid, you get more nervous than you did when you competed yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tim, Tim, you got a lot to look forward to, but that adrenaline and everything that you had as a competitor, that's what you, you miss the most about athletics, and you'll get that several times over with your own kid. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna push anything on to him. I, I I watch a lot of wrestling, and I'm I'm just gonna watch a lot of it around him, and and hopefully he'll be like, Daddy, can I wrestle? And I'll be like, Yes, and I'll wipe the tear out of my eye, and <laughs> you know, but I don't want him to think that he, that he has to do it or any of that stuff just because I, I like it so much. I, I would be, I would, I would love it if he was just into it enough to go watch it with me. You know, if he doesn't want to actually do right. it. But, you know, I also can't lie, I hope he does want to do it, and not not just for any kind of glory or to relive any, any of my stuff, but just because just it seems to be, like I talk to a lot of younger wrestlers, and they're, they're, just, they're just good kids, a lot of them, you know, they'll look you in the eye when they talk to you, and, and you know, it just teaches people a lot of things about perseverance and... and you know, so I, I hope he wants to do it, but we'll see. He, he certainly got a... He certainly got some genetics as far as athletes in his family. His his grandpa was a 
all-state football player in California, and his mom was would have been on the Olympic badminton team, and she kept playing. She played on some world teams, and and his grandpa was a was a, uh, a war hero, and it played minor league baseball, and so we'll see, you know, what he'll be into. I just as long as he's happy, that's all I really care about. I, I also wanted to ask yeah, you about absolutely. some of the guys that you coached. Um, I saw that you coached Sammy Henson was he, when he was at Missouri, who, if people don't know, he w went on to become a world champion and a two-time undefeated NCAA champion. And, um, but his he, freshman year, when he got fifth, you coached him? Yeah, yeah. Sammy was a phenomenal athlete, and he, was, uh, he came in as a, a freshman, and uh, we'd given him like a full scholarship. You know, I knew Sammy was a uh, big-time even though he was smaller because he was, you know, I forget what he wrestled there in high school, but he was probably, you know, weight soaking wet, 115 or something like that. So when he came in, uh, he was a small 118-pounder. But we had Bobby Crawford. He was a fifth-year senior. And Bobby ended up being an All-American. So he, he graduated that year. And then when he came in the next year, just did a phenomenal job won the won the Big Eight championship, and then he, uh, you know, ended up fifth in the nation. I think, I can't remember for sure. I'm thinking he lost maybe the Chad Zappadal, maybe in the semis. Uh, I'm kind of thinking that was the case. But, yeah, Sammy, uh, he was uh, a special wrestler, just a tremendously uh, intense and strong and just uh, worked his butt off. I mean, he was, he had work ethic out of this world. I always said about him, he could do more in uh, his workout, like a one-hour workout be another guy's three- or four-hour workout. His, his intensity was twice what normal guys are. Yeah. And, uh, speak, yeah. Speak. But unfortunately, he kind of got into some, some trouble a little bit, so then he ended up... Uh, missing a year and then he transferred uh, to Clemson and then was like a two-time undefeated NCAA champ. Then he came back to Missouri and got a degree and ended up uh, helping us out. He trained, trained, he was training obviously for the world team and stuff, but he, he came back and helped coach and uh, did, a, did a really good job. And uh, yeah, he had a, yeah, yeah, great career, no doubt. Yeah, and, and not a lot of people even realize that he came back at age 36 and was bronze in the world championships. Um, so that, wow. yeah, that, that tells amazing. you. Yeah, um, I ran into him at the airport a couple of years ago, and and I didn't know who he was. He didn't know who I was, obviously, but I, I was like, hey, Sammy the Bull Henson. And he was like, he looked at me, and I, I shook his hand, and it was like, it was like shaking hands with that rock character on uh, the... <laughs> I can't think of the character's name, but you know who I'm talking about. I was like, man, this guy's just made out of rocks. His hand, it almost hurt to shake his damn hand. Yeah, yeah, he was... Uh, man, he was uh, so strong in the... Just had a, the will in that was off the charge, you know. And, and uh, that's uh, be interesting to... I know he's got a son coming up. He won, I think, won the PX States this year. So it'll be interesting to see uh, Sammy's uh, son. I think he signed with Iowa too. You know. Yeah, that sounds like a good fit. A Henson over. Yeah, that that sounds like a good fit to me. Um, he 
what was I going to say about Sammy? Um, he was he he wrestled with Eric Aiken all the time. Eric Aiken was, I'm sure you know who he is. When I was uh, um, when I was a kid, he was on my kids' team, and he was older than me. But he was like the only kid that was on a state champ on our high school, on our on our kids' team. You know, he'd already won a kid state title, and and so I always knew who he was, and I always looked up to him a lot. And Sammy was a thorn in his side for ever. I mean, he kept him off of world teams. He uh, beat him in the NCAA finals. Uh, I think Eric got him once or twice, but and it was always like super close matches. Um, and I, this is what I was going to say. I always wanted to see Sammy Henson. I was thinking about it yesterday, actually. I was thinking how great of a match would have been to see Sammy Henson against Terry Brands. Terry was a little bit bigger, but it seems like the two of those would have had a heck of a war. Yeah, they really would have. Yeah, that'd have been a great match. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned Eric because Eric uh, lost to Sammy in the Big A championships, and those were in Columbia that year. You know, it's, that was 1991, and that's when Sammy was... Uh, Richard Freshman, he beat Aiken then, and then here it was when they were seniors, and I can't remember, but that match might have went over time, you know, when Jensen yeah. won his second national title, and, and I remember Eric, and this is really neat, because when I was in the Kansas City area, coaching at Lee Summit, I was still competing in Greco-Roman, and we had a Russian Jew, Edward Edward Yerovinsky, who lived in the Kansas City area, and he ran a club. And I can remember we had a bunch of us older guys that were all in the club, and even Eric would just, he was a little bitty guy, and he'd come to some of the workouts and everything. So I've known the Aiken family for years, and, uh, and have always followed Eric. Yeah, he's, you know, he was, uh, you know, he did a great job throughout his career. Yeah, and talk about having some heartbreakers. I mean, that guy lost, uh, he was an Olympic alternate two times, I want to say 92 and 96, and he lost both matches in the third, he, it was two out of three, so in the third match of both times, I think he lost in overtime. So it literally, wow. as close as you could possibly get to making two Olympic teams and not make it. He did make one world team, um, but yeah, Sammy was always... Um, in his way, as far as that goes, but I think I, I'd be curious to, to hear how many matches that they had that went into overtime. And I know their NCAA finals did go into like double overtime. Um, yeah, and so to see their, you know, the Big Eight meet when Sammy won the Big Eight, I'm pretty sure it was an overtime meet too. Yeah, and that's when they both would have been. I think both of them were redshirt freshmen at the time. Yeah. yeah. What would you say the biggest difference between having high school? success and having college success is what, what what how come some people can make that jump and some people can't well i think you know the big thing is it's just the one wrestling is such a big you know big step up it's just a lot more physical right. uh, usually when most high school wrestlers uh, you know that are going to be the one uh, very you know they really haven't learned to get out from underneath because they're so dominant, you know, they've got to take the guys down and pin them. So, you know, that's always a big factor, too, is, hey, you know, I always say Matt, Matt wrestling separates the men and the boys, you yeah. know, and uh, so you got to be able to do that part of it. But, uh, and also, you can't. 
had a seek-out competition, you know, uh, some of these kids, if they think they want to get recruited by D1, hey, you got to be, you know, when you get to the University of Missouri, you're not just wrestling Missouri kids, you're wrestling the best throughout the nation. And I think most of the kids realize that. It's just, uh, you know, a big, big difference between being a, and it's nothing against D2 and AIA or D3. There's very good wrestlers there, but it's a whole different level. Yeah. Jim, as you probably, you understand that just being a fan of the sport. And I think that the, the biggest thing is, is a, the physicality and everything that you have at D1. I mean, it's just that, and the emphasis, you know, you think about your season, you get in and you're already September, October, you're already good in conditioning, and then the, the season goes all the way from like November, you know, nearly to the end of March. And you take a high school season, you know, you started in November, you're done in February. So, you know, the season's about twice as long. So just all those factors play in. And, and so my, my main thing is, is I just think it's the physicality and the map wrestling's a whole different level, better, and uh, it, you know, uh, and, it's uh, and no lead, whole no different, whole, whole different standard, yeah, yeah. No lead is safe in college either. Like in high school, I had a knack for taking people straight to their back, and if I didn't pin them, I had a five point lead. And and out in in high school, I rarely got taken down, and I was like impossible to turn. So the only way anyone could beat me was to. Uh, you know, escape, and if they did, they couldn't take me back down. So, a five-point lead was pretty safe, and in college, that's not safe at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, the rules have changed too, and I like the new rules. I particularly Tim like the new rule they have now, where hey, if a guy's like trying to hang on for a stalemate, he's on his back. You know, they can be counting those points and go ahead and signal the two, even though the guy didn't, you know, have a, a takedown, you know. And I like that because I think you should reward the offensive wrestler, not a guy that's trying to, and the scrambling is out of the world these days. Yeah. But I also think that there's a lot of wrestlers out there that have gotten in bad habits that, if they want to wrestle at the next level, Olympic level, will hurt them by uh, giving up leg attacks too easy, you know. And then, then the next thing you know, they're you know they're not necessarily scrambling to score; they're scrambling to stalemate. So I thought the rules that they came out with now on the exposure uh, are very good. And then the four-point near fall, like you said, Tim, if you would have taken the guy down and get that four, you're up six oh, that's a pretty good leak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, speaking of getting off the bottom, uh, I stayed with uh, my brother and I a few years ago we, when NCAs were in St. Louis, we stayed with Greg Warren, and he told me a story about, I, I think it was you, he was like, he was on bottom or something, and uh, couldn't. he was having a hard time getting out like a lot of freshmen, and you just kept making him go on bottom. He was like, you, he, he's like, you know, everyone else was turning over. He's like, Warren, you're on, you're down again, you know. And he just, and I think if I'm telling the story right, he just kept, you kept making him go down over and over and over till he could finally get out. And uh, is that true? Do you remember that at all? You know, I don't really remember it specifically being him, but it's probably it's 
great set and it's probably probably accurate but uh, you know sometimes yeah it's just that mental thing and and you break a guy down so much then he just finally gets pissed off and says I'm getting out and he does you know and, yeah. and, and uh, you know that's the type of spirit you gotta have you know it's easy to you know to kind of lose your confidence in that but hey you gotta dig down and find it you know and, yeah. and Greg was uh, really uh, you know very coachable you know funny thing is uh, Tim you know you you know, you think like with a comedian like Greg Warren, you know, that he was just kind of like a, you know, like fly by night, this and that, but he was a very serious student athlete, you know. I mean, this guy listened to everything you said. He'd run through the wall for you. And he graduated with like a 3.7 in advertising journalism. He was, you know, he had everything going for him, you know, the smarts and the, ends up uh, making All-American his senior year, which was really neat. Yeah, yeah, I was curious what it was like, what he was, you know, and, and that that doesn't surprise me at all that you say that about him. He's he's a very reserved, um, uh, modest person, you know, like he, you know, people don't know that he was a Division One All-American until I tell them, they're like, I worked with him and he never said anything. I'm like, yeah, that's that's how... <laughs> That's how a lot of really good wrestlers are. They won't tell you how good they were. You know, I won a state title, and I'll tell anybody who will listen to that shit. But, <laughs> but, um, you know, a guy that you know seventh in division. I think I think that's what he got was seventh in, in division one is uh, a huge accomplishment. And uh, so yeah, I was kind of curious what he was like. A lot of people assume that comics are you know that we're all we're never serious and all that, but. A lot of the best comedians are kind of serious people when they're not on stage, which surprises a lot of people. But um, you know, that, that's just that's just uh, you know, there's there's so much I, I so many questions I have for you. Do you still go to a lot of Mizzou duels? Yeah, I mean the thing is, my wife and I lapsed. Uh, it was like in the spring of 2017. We actually moved back to Columbia. And because we have the first I work for as an office here, and so we just made the transition back here, and and uh, so what, you know, so now you know it's really convenient, you know, just right at right across town, and we're there, and you know, I try to get out the all the home duels, so I really enjoy that. I'm a kind of a college football nut, so I got season tickets, tailgate for all the Mizzou games, and enjoy. You know, enjoy fall football and then winter, winter college wrestling. Yeah. What, uh, Jaden Cox is another Mizzou guy who's gone on to do amazing things. Um, do you know, do you have a relationship with Jaden? Do you know him very well? Oh, yeah. I know his mom and dad and, uh, you know, his grandmother. The funny thing was his grandmother used to work at Jesse Hall, which is the, main administrative building on campus and every time I'd go across campus when I'd touch it, man, she'd just give me a hug. She made you you could look terrible and she'd make you think you look great, you know. And it's <laughs> one of those uh, great people and and now I still see her to this day at Mizzou matches and that and she comes up, gives you a hug you know, Kathy and Mike, yeah, we know them. In fact Jaden's first uh tournament was at like South Dakota State, uh, whatever they call that open up there at South Dead, 
Is it the Dactronic? Yeah. Is it the yeah, that's, that's the term it is. It's like probably the Dactronic Open or whatever. But anyway, that was Jaden's first tournament, and Mike and Kathy rode up with uh, Kathy and I, and uh, it was really cool because Jaden won that, you know, as a pre-freshman, you know, the very first tournament of his career. But, but yeah, the Cox family is just, I mean, they're tremendous. And then Phil Arnold, uh, you know, uh, Jaden's uncle, you know, I knew him back in the days when he wrestled at, uh, at Hickman and everything. He was like a two-time state champ. So, and he's got a, he's got a, and now here he is down in Georgia helping coach a club and his son is really, really good. And, uh, so it's really just neat to, to see what, you know, Jaden's done. I mean, just a, a local boy here in Columbia, just seeing what he's done has been phenomenal. Yeah. And he's also just a great uh, ambassador for the sport. I mean, the way he handles himself and that, just incredible. Yeah, he seems like a really great uh, down-to-earth person. What, what, what about him, what makes him such a great wrestler? If, if you could do it, if you could say it in a nutshell, what makes Jaden so great? People that are listening and don't know, Jaden has won the last two world championships at 92 kilograms, and the Olympic weight is 97 kilograms. So this year, he had to decide whether or not he wanted to go down to 86, which is 189 pounds roughly, or up to 213, which is Kyle Snyder's weight. And Kyle Snyder has made, I think, the last five world teams and won three times and, and gotten a silver and a bronze. So now Jaden has decided to move up to 97, and God willing, we'll get to see that. Um, play out at the Olympic trials, but uh, so that was a pretty gutsy move for him to uh, to go up into into Snyder's weight. But a lot of people are picking Jaden over Snyder. How how do you personally see that playing out? Well, I'm just you know first off, I'm disappointed that hey, we only have six yeah. in Olympic weight classes. You know, I just think that's really sad because we got so many great guys. 
I think we got what two world champions that won't even make a yeah. you know the Olympic team. So the, the way I kind of see that playing out, I think Jaden right now his confidence and everything is sky high, whereas I think uh, Kyle had been wrestling his best. You know, and those guys go all the way back to junior nationals competing against each other. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, it's, you know, I kind of look at that one as kind of being a, a toss-up. Of course, I'm biased, and I think, uh, you know, right now, it's the hotter, the hotter one, and uh, probably his confidence is sky high, so I'm hoping, obviously, uh, you know, I want to see Jaden make that team. And, and you know what, if you got to get through a Kyle Snyder just to make the team, well, hey, you know, if you make it, hey, you got every intention of winning, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I was so disappointed about the Olympic trials because, man, it was just so stacked. I mean, every weight class. Oh, man, no doubt. And like you said about the six weight classes, um, you know, in the world championships now they have eight, and it used to be ten or, I mean, back in the day there was ten or even twelve weight classes, I think, for the Olympics. And now they've got it down to six. So if... For people that are listening that don't know wrestling, a lot of these guys are in between weights, so you're either you have to cut a lot of weight, which hurts your performance, especially on same day weigh ins, or you have to go up too right. much. And at that level, you can't you can't give up strength. Everyone's too damn good, you know. I mean, right. So you got so I say that to say you've got some just outstanding wrestlers that will never be able to fulfill their Olympic dreams because they don't have a damn weight class and it, it just it just it just bothers me I don't, I don't see how they can't come up with it my my father-in-law was really into the um, um, the administration side of, of when it, when my wife was playing badminton so he knows and he was like it just comes down to bed space and I'm like well shit can't they come up with you know I don't see how it would cost that much more money but anyway that's another conversation but it, it's really frustrating as a fan right you know. Yeah, yeah. I agree wholeheartedly with you, Tim. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask before we get off here, how do you know Brooks Travis? You know, Brooks wrestled for me. You know, Brooks uh, was from Ark City, Kansas. He went to, I think he went to Cal State Bakersfield. Ended up leaving there, and I think he was just up at KU as a normal student. And I can't remember... If somebody told me about him or he contacted me, but he basically came in on, you know, like a non-scholarship, you know, I think he might, you know, if he had books or something like that, but, you know, Brooks came in, just worked his butt off and then became a scholarship uh, athlete, made a lineup, uh, you know, at the 125, I think it was 118 and then it, the weights changed later and so he was, you know, he cut quite a bit of weight for 125, but he came in and did a very respectable job. Yeah. The funny thing is, Tim, you think about guys, uh, Brooks, uh, you know, once again, is one of these guys that uh, Chris Whalen and I were coaching him, and, uh, you know, he, <laughs> we would sit there and say, Brooks, you got to keep him off the legs, get better position, you know, and, and I joked with Brooks, I said, Brooks, we coach you down from right when you came in placing at Midlands to not placing, you know, <laughs> because he would look, he would listen to this, but he had a certain level of funk that I think we kind of took away from him, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
know, and, <laughs> and that. But we kind of joke about that. No, Brooks uh, did a really good job. And, uh, you know, as you know, he's a chiropractor here in Columbia. And then he also, uh, his son, just won his third state title. Yeah. So it father told him, and he's committed to go to, I guess, giving Brooks a hard time about that, you know, just reaming him about how come his son isn't going to be a Mizzou Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm really kidding, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, I know Oklahoma State has a great program, but, you know, I uh, I kind of rub it in really hard with him about that. But uh, anyway, but his son is, uh, you know, he, he is uh, really going to be a good one, I think, in college. Yeah, I wrestled Brooks in, uh, it was in sixth or seventh grade at the state tournament, and I, I beat him two to two on criteria. And, uh, yeah, and which he, he, he would have kicked my ass later on in life, but, um, <laughs> but I, when I found out that you and him were at the tournament, because I knew who Brooks was, you know, I followed his career after, um, you know, through high school and all that stuff, and Arc City was, was always so dominant, um, so when I, the owner of the club, Danny Baumgartner, super great guy, he, uh, he came up to me before the show and he's like, yeah, Wes Roper and Brooks Travis are in the crowd. And I was like, shit, man, I don't want to know that. I go, I don't like to know. I go, I get more nervous knowing that there's, uh, big time wrestlers in the audience than anything else. It makes me, you know, it, it makes me nervous. And, and I knew that you and Brooks were there and, uh. I was like, dude, I, I, I know you're just trying to be friendly, but I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, Tim, you did fine, so you weren't that nervous. We had a good time and, and a good comedy, and so I'm looking forward to watching you in the future. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I, I, really, uh, I really enjoyed talking to you on this podcast. Like I said, I, I do. I, I get more nervous. You know, I interview either wrestlers or comedians, and uh, I've done a lot less wrestlers than comedians obviously but whenever i talk to wrestlers i get like kind of nervous beforehand you know and uh you you've been great and you really made me uh comfortable and and this was a great conversation and i i really enjoyed your insight and and i hope we get to run into each other again someday sounds good good to chat with you all right buddy well uh, is there anything you want to you want to plug on here or anything before i let you go Yeah, man. Well, uh, um, maybe we'll maybe we'll get to do it again someday because I didn't get to half the stuff I wanted to ask you, but I've, I've got some stuff I got to get get done here. But uh, I really enjoyed talking to you and really appreciate you taking the time. All right, we'll talk to you later. Okay, thanks, Wes. Bye bye. Bye. All right, everybody. That was Wes Roper, uh, Mizzou head coach, for twelve years and uh, big fan and. Just a great dude, and I'm serious about that at the end, you know, like I, it's funny, you can probably listen to some of my podcasts with, uh, with wrestlers, and, and sometimes, I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like it's, it's like the little kid in me again, you know, um, it's weird, but he was great, and I really appreciated him doing that, and, uh, so anyway, make sure you sign up for my YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube, it's youtube.com slash Tim Gaither. I really need subscribers and views and all that stuff because, like I said, I don't know how bad this is going to get. But, uh, so anyway, subscribe to my YouTube and uh, all my social media links are on timgathercomedy.com. But my YouTube is what I'm really concerned about. 
most right now. And also go to makingithappen.com, M-A-C-A-N, ithappen.com. Help out little Bo Macon and his family. Um, they, can, uh, they could use your help now more than ever. And uh, subscribe to that YouTube. And uh, as always, I really appreciate you guys listening. So uh, thanks for the support. Keep listening. And uh, yeah, appreciate it. God bless all of you. Take care. Bye.